0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Awesome. So I bet you've been anticipating this morning all month how to be rich. You probably all read that incorrectly as how to get rich. (laughs) But it's how to be rich. So let's reset those expectations. (laughs) The subtitle being, it's, can you turn this down a little bit? It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. Hmm. And my sub subtitle is emotional freedom and finance. Ooh. But we'll go with how to be rich, because that was catchier. All right, so this morning we're going to look at three things. We're first going to start with the perspective problem. So what's our perspective regarding finances, and does that make sense, and should we have a different perspective? Followed by the effects of affluenza, not influenza, you know, it's flu season, but we're going to talk about affluenza, and then we're going to talk about the prescription for affluenza, which we really all suffer from, but we don't know. Okay? You ready? Are you on board? Is this okay? Okay. Okay, whoa, this is sensitive. Okay, so the perspective problem. Here's a famous quote, you can never be too rich or too thin. So if you kind of think about that, both of those things are somewhat of a moving target, right? Like, what does it mean to be rich, and can you really ever achieve that? And probably mostly for women, can you ever really be thin, or is, is you know, what's, what's that target? Or maybe for a guy, can you ever really be buff enough? I don't know. It's guys, you're going to have to, like, ad-lib here. Sorry. So, but let's say, like, so, do you know what I'm saying here? Like, you can never be too rich or too thin. So it's kind of like, what do those ideals mean? You know, it's really interesting when we look back in history that, you know, an- you've heard of anorexia, right? Pretty com- common problem today, right? That did not exist before the mid-1800s. Isn't that crazy? Like, there's a doctor who first discovered this thing called anorexia nervosa. Because pre the 1800s, people actually wanted to not be thin. (laughs) They wanted to have a little extra because that suggested that they had affluence. In fact, most people couldn't have a little extra because they were working so hard and had so little nutrition, etc. Does that make sense? So it's actually a a pretty modern-day problem, anorexia. The other thing that happened in the 1800s, which probably is a little bit concurrent with anorexia, was the invention of the corset. You probably thought I was going to say like the train. No, the corset, that lovely thing all of us women really wish they would bring back. Heavy sarcasm if you didn't get that. Okay, so what happened was suddenly there became this ideal for this kind of hourglass shape, right? And most women can't naturally achieve that. And so they developed this device which was horrible and torturous called the corset. And of course, the smaller the waist, the more attractive. So there was this target. And so women would tighten their corset and tighten their corset, right? You get the picture, right? So what happened was there were loads and loads of women who check this out, permanently had fluid in their lungs because they could not breathe deep enough because their corset was too tight. That is crazy, (laughs) right? Crazy. How did that happen? I'd like to suggest that they needed a little perspective, right? They had this target so in line that they're risking their health to meet this ideal, So the same thing kind of happens with our finances. And we need to to gain some perspective. We need to step back and reevaluate. What do you guys think this is a picture of? Crown, fire. Crown, fire. Anything else? It's a Simpson's hair. It's a Simpson's hair. Okay, a rooster. So we're pretty close up, right? Let's get a little perspective. Oh, it is a rooster. Nice job. But is that the whole picture? Some, does so that look like some people, a man and a woman, right? Mm-mm. Or some kids looking at a rooster. Nope, nope, it's actually someone else, maybe from a plane or something looking at some kid, hmm. I'm getting confused. What is the true picture? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, what? What is that? OK, so you see how that happened? Like when you're really up close to something, you. Th- can just make it into anything it is. But the true picture is much different, right? When you step back and get some perspective. So what I'd like to say is that we have the source of the best perspective in the universe, right? And that's God. God has the perfect perspective. Because not only can he see the whole picture, he can see all of time crazy, right? Completely mind-boggling. So he not only can see the entire picture of how everything interacts with each other, but he can also see it within the context of time, because he's outside of time, which is amazing. So one of the things I'm going to say we need to do is in our finances, we need to ask for God's perspective. God, what is your perspective on this and on my situation? Point number one, perspective problem. Now... Let's just get to some hard numbers, hard objective facts, okay? So if you make $37,000 a year then, and that's for your household, not just an individual, but for a household. Does so you even want to guess how they would finish that sentence. It's a little bit below the US median household income. My guess is most of you would not finish it this way, but this is the truth. If you make $37,000 a year, then you are in the top 4% of wage earners globally. The top 4% for your household. That's mind boggling. You know, I think about being in the top 4%, usually you just want to get in the top 10%, right? I mean, that's pretty good. Top 4, that's a solid A. Solid A. feeling better about your finances yet? It's a new perspective. The other thing that has happened in recent history, in the past 150 years, is the five-day work week. Now, I'm personally voting for a four-day work week, but the five-day work week says that we can work for five days and have enough food, shelter, clothing, provide for basic needs for seven. That's a new phenomenon. That did not exist that long ago. And in many places in the world, that still doesn't exist. So when we put these couple of facts together, we can pretty confidently say that we live in one of the richest nations in the richest time in history. That's amazing. I'm pretty excited about that. Think about the things we can do. I mean, how many people here have a smartphone? Anyone? Anyone have a smartphone? Right? Right? How connected are you to the world? How many things can you do now that we couldn't do 10 years ago? Right? I mean, it's amazing. We live in a really awesome time in history. So I'm telling you all these facts, not to make you feel bad about what you have or don't have or anything like that, not to compare to you know, people around the world who have less, but to say, let's be really thankful for what we have. Let's have an attitude of gratitude for what we've been given in the time of history we live in and the nation we live in. You know, let's change our perspective to say one of, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Thank you, God. Thank you for these, these things you've given me and these choices. So a lot of us, and, and I'm included in this because this is how humans operate, have a perspective problem. And what happens is we filter the facts that we take in and accept and incorporate into our lives. And we only accept in things that line up with one of our beliefs. So, if I have a core belief about myself, like in this slide that says I'm stupid, I will only pay attention to things that happen in my life that agree with that belief. And anything that happens in my life that doesn't agree with that belief, I'm going to kind of explain away, like, oh, that was a fluke, you know, that I didn't deserve that, something like that. Does that make sense? So, in the examples up here, all six of these facts are equally true about this person, so, they failed their exams when they are 15, they're dyslexic, they lost their temper and shouted at their children, they successfully ran their own business for 23 years, they won the pub quiz with their friends, and they exhibited pictures in a national event. All six are equally true. And yet, because of this thing called a mental filter, they're only gonna pay attention to those top three, and those bottom three, they're gonna ignore. We all do this in some way. So I would like to say that a lot of us do this with, in respect to money, right? Like, I'm poor. If you believe I'm poor or I'm not rich or, you know, however you want to put that phrase in, then what you'll notice is how, you know, you really just won't have the latest gadget because a new one comes out like every three seconds or something, right? So like, I don't have, you guys, I have the worst phone. I'll show you guys this. <laughs> I have a BlackBerry. Did you know those still existed, right? It's terrible. I can't really do anything on this phone. I can text. I can call. I can't really do anything. Wait, I can text and I can call, and I can really kind of surf the internet, and I can look at some Google Maps kind of, though I still print them out. I am so grateful for this phone. My work gives me this phone. I don't have to pay a cent for it. It's amazing. I think it's pretty funny, the things it doesn't do, but you know what? It also means I'm not constantly attached to my phone, right? So my perspective on this phone is I can make a lot of fun of it, and you trust me. My friends and I make a lot of fun of it. But in the end, have I gone out to get a second phone? Nope, because I'm pretty happy about this one. I'm pretty thankful for it. So you have a choice on the perspective you have, right? If you focus on how, you know, your coworker gets Starbucks every day, but you can't, you could be really bummed about that. Right? Like it's just all about what you focus on and accept and think about. Facebook is terrible for this. Have you ever noticed that everyone has a perfect life on Facebook? <laughs> Absolutely perfect. No one puts their junk on Facebook. Rarely right? It's all like, I'm on vacation all the time, and I got this most awesome thing, and a promotion, and a raise, and you know what I mean? So it makes you start to think that everyone has this most amazing life, and you are missing out. And the truth is, people are just very much filtering what they're putting on Facebook, right? That is not real. The life you see on Facebook is not real. And I'm saying the same thing here. Like, we filter out stuff, and and we don't bring in the stuff that we should. So this is where we're talking about get a perspective. God, what's your perspective? What can I be thankful for in my life? What am I missing that I have? You know, man, I'm gonna have to go home after I worked a whole long day and make food that's in my house, and I can't just go out to eat. What a drag. You know, I get it. Like, I work a long week, and yeah, it's not always fun to go home and have to cook. But the truth is, I've got food in my fridge I can cook. That's amazing. There's lots of places in the world that don't have that. So it's just about, you know, changing your attitude towards it. Does that make sense? Okay. Thank you. Gosh, you guys are so supportive. All right. So we're going to watch a quick video about first world problems.
1: What's up guys, hope you're doing well. So today we'll be talking about first world problems. More specifically, a top 100 list. Now for those of you who don't know what first world problems are, just watch the video. They're problems typically experienced by people living in industrialized and wealthy countries. Know who got my fuego? Still in the alley. Top 100 first world problems. Can't find the remote. Twitter's over capacity. we right out of toilet paper. You don't have nothing to eat at your house. Your neighbor blocked your Wi-Fi. we right out of milk. Really? Yeah. Hot water takes a while to get hot. You don't have an automatic pooper. You don't want to eat left of We'll have eat. Too many commercials on TV. Twilight Movie, Nicki Minaj, Justin Bieber, Team Mom. You cut yourself. social media. Instagram is over for the iPhone. The broader matches your adjo. You report to your Facebook timeline. Your boss requests an adjo on Facebook. People don't follow you on Twitter. Annoying big guests. The DPR recorded the wrong show. Toddlers, ATR. ATR. Chocolate movies. No one likes to do a profile picture. Bad self-overstanding. Say hey, yeah, so. Hello? Too many Facebook evictify. You have to use two remote controls. You have an annoying alarm clock. You don't own a Mac. You forgot to take your phone on a challenge before you went to sleep. Locker won't wake you up. You can't hear the TV or a the Come on! You don't know how to work a Mac. You left your cell phone at home. You can't find your chapstick. You have to pay a transaction fee. They only accept yeah, yeah. right. right. so credit. They only
2: accept credit. They only accept
1: You can't tell how much gas costs. This guy's real. Big Mac. No, I'm sorry. Double-served no, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. 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 Snoopy. The Situation. Sarah Palin. Justin Bieber. Too big rich. Chicken workers are not angling yet. Chocolate Village. Tricky. And the chicken. Oh, like the flatbreads? Yeah. No, we don't carry the flatbreads anymore. Dang. <laughs> you want a test, but you keep getting the green light. You can't even go across the shop. No parking anywhere. You guys don't have Coke? They don't I'm serve Pepsi right? products. You pay $5 for coffee. Elevator is broken. Perfect taking too long in the bathroom. Talk about yeah, your hand You <laughs> look your hand like a dump. You spent more than $5 for a second subway. You forgot to put deodorant You built the wrong type of bathroom. Wrong food. I wanted the chicken nugget. Your mom requested to be your friend on Facebook. So There's no fries. We've got the test for tomorrow. We can't find the match here. It's not. All kinds of things are over. Just in favor. Just in favor. The whole season's over. You start acting like a lady. You move to a rival team. And if we just lose to F. S.U. Xbox Live is sucking. This is not an acceptable word. Your laptop died. You didn't get, get what you want for Christmas. You, you know not the charger. charger. <laughs> Your phone keeps on correcting. Your friend has an annoying ringtone. <laughs> really? You got destroyed the fancy basketball. You got destroyed the fancy baseball. You got destroyed in all fantasy sports. Movie. You still don't know how to use a Mac. Oh, Jeremy Lynn! Show the replay. Show the replay. Show the replay. There's, There's nothing on TV. No internet, internet service. Your computer got a virus. Your microwave beep goes open. No the <laughs> attack. Traffic. Low cell phone battery. Justin Bieber. And last but not least, check play closed outside. <laughs>
0: All right, so you guys get it, right? We have a lot of things that kind of stress us out or cause us anxiety or things that we focus on that, frankly, are just not that big of a deal, right? I'm not making light of true financial difficulties, and I know those exist, okay? So please hear me on this. I'm not trying to say, oh, you just need to get over it, right? I'm suggesting that we need to look at the things we do have and just learn to be grateful for them. So what does it mean to be rich? We kind of started with this, and you know, they've actually done studies asking people, "How much would you have to make to consider yourself rich?" And they asked all sorts of people this. And you know what happened? People said double their current income. Across the board, didn't matter how much they made today, it was double. So if you make 30,000, they said 60. They made 60, they said 120. They made 120, they said 240. Surely there's an upper limit on this, right? Nope. They make a million. They said two million. They made five million. They said ten. And on it went. Rich is a moving target. It's never something that you can achieve. So I was thinking about this, and I was like, well, how could that be? Like, is that real? I was thinking, in my mind, if I was thinking I was rich, like, what would that look like? You know? And this is what I came up with, and maybe this resonates with you. To me, if I could say, if I could comfortably say I was rich, then what I really mean is I never have to consider money. I can just do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want it, and that would be being rich. And then I thought, you know what? God never talks about money like that in the Bible. He always talks about how we're supposed to steward our money. It's supposed to be something that we manage. It's supposed to work for us. We're never supposed to have a hands-off relationship with it. So isn't that interesting? Like, this idea of what we have, of what it means to be rich, doesn't even really match up with, with God's idea, you know? Okay, so if rich is a moving target, and no matter how much money we have or make, we'll probably never consider ourselves rich. Well, okay, maybe you're going to say, well, no, it's not that. It's not that I don't have to think about it. It's that I could just be a lot more generous. Like, I could just give a lot of money away if I was rich. And that, you know, that would be, to me, the definition of being rich. It's kind of interesting. Studies have shown that the more money people make, the smaller percentage they give away. So people who make uh, median income in the U.S., in general, across the board in the U.S., give away about 6%. People who make four times that amount give away 4%. And that keeps like that. That relationship is inverse. So the more money you make, the less percentage typically people give away. So I know that the number is changing, right? Because obviously it's a percent. So the more money you wait, make, that percentage goes up. But if I can afford to give away 10% when I'm making 30000 a year... Why can't I give away ten percent if I'm making three hundred thousand a year? Right? Yeah. So it's really interesting. We just have this weird relationship with money. Andy Stanley said this until you relax into the reality that you are rich, you will never become intentional about getting good at it. Isn't that interesting? So if we keep saying, like, oh, well, I'm not rich, it's kind of is like this excuse for I don't have to worry about this. I don't really have to deal with this because I'm not. But we've just said that most people in the U.S. are in the top 4% in the world. So I'm going to challenge you and say, let's change our thinking. Let's take this perspective of, you know what, yeah, I am rich. So if I am rich what does that mean? How do I need to live? How do I, how do I get good at being rich? Because God also said something about, like, if you're faithful in the little things, he'll give you more. Because, you know, it, it seems really, like, it could be really fun to have a ton of money that you could give away, right? That seems fun. But if you're not doing that now, studies are showing you're not going to do it then either, Right? So how can we get good at being rich? So that's why I'm saying all of us have affluenza. You didn't know it. Your doctor probably won't diagnose it. But we all have affluenza. And it has to do with where do we place our hope. So I've got two scriptures listed up here. I've got you an Old Testament one and a New Testament one. So you know that this is totally biblical. How do you like that? Went to seminary to tell you that. Okay, anyways, Proverbs 38 to 9. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Some Proverbs. And then in 1 Timothy six seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So something that we so easily can do is put our hope in money, to move our trust into riches and away from the Lord. And that is just a very, very... Solidly biblical thing that happens to our human nature. So, that is one of the effects of affluenza. So, we have this warning here, kind of like the Surgeon General warning. Affluenza warning may cause arrogance. While taking this medicine, extra precautions should be taken not to offend people. If taken for prolonged periods, may impair perception, causing hope to migrate. Paul goes on to write in that 1 Timothy passage to those who are rich, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So the antidote to the effects of affluenza is generosity. It's just right there, right there in the Bible, Paul told you. (laughs) Pretty cool. So let's look at the prescription. So we are rich, we're affected by affluenza. What's the prescription? How do we deal with this? Pastor Cameron would be so proud. All (laughs) peas. See that? That alliteration? Priority giving, percentage giving, and progressive giving. Those are the three things we're going to talk about. So this is the antidote to affluenza. First is priority giving. Now, have you guys ever noticed this, and maybe this only happens to me, but I, I work for an employer, and my employer tells me I make a certain amount every week, right? Like, tells me how, much I wor- how many hours I worked and how much I make per hour. And so, theoretically, I make this amount of money. Never once has my check been for that much, ever. What's that about? Taxes, right? The government knows we are pretty bad at prioritizing <laughs> stuff with money. So they just take their cut first. Pretty smart, <laughs> right? So I'm going to suggest that one of the ways we can show priority giving is you just put this in your budget and it's the top line item. So in a really, really, this is very practical and you don't have to do it this way, but this is what I do. When I put my income in my checkbook, which I balance regularly, I know, I still have a checkbook. So I write my income in there, right? So CalSec paid me this amount. I actually put in less my tithe amount. So in my mind, when I do my budget, that tithe amount is not ever part of my money. Right? Do you know how easy it is to write that check then? So I didn't have to, like, oh, but now I can't get my $20 Starbucks card. Do you know what I mean? It was never part of it. It was never part of the pie. Right? I pre-sliced that pie. And gave that part away. And it's so much easier. It's just a little personal tip. You could try it. And again, it's saying that you're going to put your hope in God and not in your riches. Right? Also, generosity begins wherever you're at. Not about where you're going to get to, but wherever you are right now. And so whatever that means for you, just start. Maybe that means for you, if you're not currently tithing, maybe that means a percent. Great. Just start. You know, priority giving is going to help you with affluenza. The second thing is percentage giving. The percentage matters more than the amount, than the sum. So that's where you focus. You focus on that percent number, not on the dollars on the check. And you know what this is great? This means that when your income goes up, percentage stays the same. When your income goes down, percentage stays the same. Really simple. stays the same. You don't have to read, well, now, what am I? No, nope. same percentage. And you know, the widow's offering, which is in Mark 12, you know when the widow gave her two mites, you know what I'm talking about? Jesus, reflecting on this, calls his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. It doesn't matter what the amount is. It's the percentage. Priority giving, percentage giving, progressive giving. Over time, here's the stretch goal, raise the percentage. So, if at $30,000 I can give away 10%, at $100,000 probably I could give away 11%, don't you think? I'd still have way more money coming in net, right? Do you know what I'm saying? So your life is not stagnant, and neither should your giving. And this is kind of the idea if you're going to take the affluenza picture, metaphor, to the extreme. This helps you for that, uh, you know, those bacteria resistance or the antibacterial-resistant strains, you know? This is like the extra booster Priority giving, percentage giving, progressive giving. But wait, there's more. It's like an infomercial. <laughs> Here's your prescription booster. Here's your multivitamin, over-the-counter. You don't have to go to the pharmacist for this one. Be aware of the awareness problem. I'd like to start with that second point. Chips and hummus, is there ever enough? <laughs> does anyone know what I mean? Like, have you ever had chips? I've really, Does anyone here eat chips and hummus? Okay. Thank you. So, so, you know, well, we'll be watching TV and I can't buy chips and hummus that often because this is what happens. So Graham will bring the chips and hummus off. We're watching TV. I'm not hungry. I don't need any. Mm, they sound kind of good. So you kind of like take one and you're like, that's pretty good. Take another one. Pretty soon you're like, oh my gosh, this is the most perfect combination of salt and fat and wonderful goodness. And I cannot stop eating these. In fact, it feels like I haven't even eaten any of them, even though half the bag is gone. But, you know, like I definitely have to finish this. So, Can anyone relate to that? Right? So it's like you start getting into this thing and you have this appetite and the appetite for more kicks in. And this is real. This is a real thing. So the Lord invented appetites and they were perfect. And then the fall happened. And then appetites were distorted. So appetites have been affected by sin, just like everything else in this world. And this is what happens when your appetite has been stimulated. Three things. You have an impact bias. Hmm. Scientific people. Impact bias. When an appetite is stimulated, the brain magnifies it out of proportion to our other appetites. And what happens is you overestimate how happy you're going to be if you satisfy that particular appetite. You know who really takes advantage of this fact? The restaurant industry with those dessert trays. That is exactly what they're doing here, right? They know that if they can bring you that dessert tray so you physically see that dessert, maybe smell it, the chance of you ordering is way higher. Because suddenly your life is not complete without that dessert, right? Like, that dessert tray comes out, and you're like, I'm really full, and then you see it, and you're like, cheesecake, I need that cheesecake. This whole whole meal is going to been a waste if I don't get that cheesecake. Like, I, I mean, I'll be so disappointed. It'll be just money wasted if I don't get that cheesecake. Do you know what I'm saying? And like we kind of do this thing, right? And you're overestimating how happy you're going to be. And then you get the cheesecake and you take three bites and you're like, it's not really that good and I'm totally full. (laughs) I just wasted my five bucks or whatever for this cheesecake, right? So that's one thing that happens. The second thing that happens is the appetite for more affects our focus. And so our mind becomes really focused on one thing. So everything else blurs or subdues in comparison. So just like that picture we started with, with the rooster, like when you're really focused on one thing, you don't have good perspective to make a good choice. And the third thing that happens is we exaggerate the consequences. The appetite for more has been stirred. We exaggerate the consequences. If I don't get that, I'm going to die. <laughs> but, but I just need it. Right? Right? So that's what happens. So this is the appetite for more. How do we deal with this? Contentment, the C word. Also in the Bible. That little section in 1 Timothy is so really helpful when it comes to money. So what Paul wrote here is, but godliness with contentment is great gain, but discontentment leads to ruin. And this is true in many facets of life, right? But you can see the application pretty quickly when it comes to finances. Contentment is more valuable than the things you acquired because of discontentment. Does that make sense? You know, there's been so many times. And I I love clothes, people. I love clothes, and I like going to the store. And I'll and I'm but I'm really stingy with my clothing budget. You know, so I only shop at like Marshalls and TJ Maxx. So it has to be a really good deal. But I'll go there and I'll see this thing, and pretty soon I'm like, that shirt will change my life. <laughs> like I know that's going to change my life. And then I'm, then I'll talk back to myself like, that shirt's not going to change your life. Like, are you crazy? You know, like you have this little inner dialogue. The best thing to do is walk away. And then if I continue to think about it, you know, for the next 24 hours, then maybe I'll go back. But it's true because there's been times when I'm like, no, I really need that shirt. I'm going to buy it. And then I get it home and I'm like, I don't even really like the shirt, (laughs) right? What was that about? Now I have to go return it and waste the gas and the time. So here, contentment, I should have just never picked up the shirt. Do you know what I'm saying? Contentment is more valuable than the things you acquired because of discontentment. Well, how do, I, how do I do that? How do I become more content? Two things. This is like two sides of the coin, like a teeter-totter. So one thing you can do is increase awareness of what other people need. So I, was, I said this in first service. It just popped in my mind. So I work in the food industry, and I get all these like trade journals and stuff. And so I recently saw this article about some new snacks that they're making for pets. I love my dog. I buy that dog ridiculous things, right? Like, I mean, I spoil my dog. Well, something that they've come out with, actually for cats, is a meow margarita. You can buy your cat um, probably non-alcoholic catnip-flavored margarita. What? <laughs> okay, so maybe if I had a cat, I would be into this. But what I started thinking about is really. <laughs> there are millions of people in this world without clean water and I'm going to get a cat a margarita with cool marketing I mean let's be honest Mialgarita, who doesn't want to buy that but really <laughs> perspective as soon as you think about the people without clean water suddenly buying your cat that meowgarita seems way less important do you know what I'm saying Right? Increase awareness of what others need. Again, not to feel bad about what you have, but to create gratitude for what you have and to gain better perspective. Secondly, disconnect from the awareness pipeline. If you go to the home show every year, which is fun to do, and, you you know, to get ideas or whatever, but what you realize is when you come home, you hate everything about your house, And you're very discontented by it don't go to the home show right if every time you go to the mall you just come home and think about all the things you don't have or all the latest fashion or whatever don't go to the mall as much cut yourself off from some of these awareness pipelines which just try to tell you that you need these things we live in such a highly consumeristic society right all of america is based on consumerism. Everywhere you go, there's ads saying, you have to have this to be cool. You have to have this to have any value, right? It's crazy. So just be aware that that happens. Marketing exists for a reason, because it works, right? All those Super Bowl ads, and then suddenly car sales skyrocket, right? Be nice to yourself. Cut off the awareness pipeline. So think about the the things that trigger your discontentment and see how you can change them. So increase awareness of what others need and decrease your awareness of things you don't have. Right? Does that make sense? So you're going to miss money that you misspend. You'll miss money that you invest poorly. And you will miss money that you waste. But you never miss money that you have given to meet a need in someone else's life. Isn't that amazing generosity. So the recap: the antidote for influenza is generosity. We talked about priority giving, percentage giving, and progressive giving. We talked that wealth itself can have negative side effects, but that giving away wealth can have positive side effects. I just want to leave you with this last thought: Paul commanded us to be generous not because he wanted our money. She think about it, Paul actually had his own tent-making career. He wasn't really that dependent on people giving him money. So he commanded generosity not because he wanted our money, but because he didn't want our money to have us. So it's all about how can you control your money and not let it control you. And just as it shows us in the Bible, a lot of that starts with generosity. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Joe. Okay, we're just going to take a couple minutes to respond to today's message. Uh, perspective, I like that. Generosity, I like that. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things, Jill. Put out there, just to kind of open our eyes uh, well presented humorous, well, I laugh at myself a lot, <laughs> okay, and I always say some people have a hard time laughing at themselves, but that 's where I come in so but thank you, Joe. That was great uh, perspective, I think th- that got me thinking okay what 's god 's perspective uh, generosity you you know we have taxes taken out we don't feel good about that right but God doesn't want to take our money right he wants us to give it freely you know if there's anything I've learned over the last couple years almost every message we've heard up here it's all about the heart you know and uh, that's where it's got to come from so, if everybody could just close their eyes for a minute and think about what they might think now being riches, okay? Where can we change? Where can we put our faith and our trust? You know, do we think, boy, if I could just get that raise, I could start giving a little better? Well,. Again, it's a step of faith. God says, if you, then I. But not always. He's done so much for us before we did anything. But in this, He does make promises. So, do you trust God to meet your needs? Are your needs, what you think your needs are, what your needs are? Take a minute to ask God... His perspective. What does he want for you? And then ask yourself what changes you have to make. We are absolutely some of the richest people in the world. Doesn't always feel that way. Doesn't feel that way to me. But again, it's perspective. So, Father, we just pray for your perspective. Father, let us see us through your eyes. Let us see your hopes and your plans for us. And let us weigh them more than what we think or thought was a better thing. start somewhere (laughs) Uh, tithes you know there was a time I was going to really say okay this year I'm really going to do it I'm going to tithe I'm going to tithe I'm going to tithe and uh, you know there was it it got toward the end of the year and uh, geez I don't know if I'm going to keep my house for Pete's sake I guess I can't afford to be doing tithing or anything but you know I kind of lost faith there and I said, you know, I, I can't afford that. I stopped. And, you know, I've always wondered. You know, maybe I should have lost the house. Maybe that was maybe that was a plan. I don't know. Maybe that's what would have been the very best thing for me. But I didn't. And, uh, again, you got to reflect. And I just said, you know, just going to trust God. So, yeah, I've been tithing. I still have my house. Sometimes I still wonder if I'm going to keep it. <laughs> but it's there. I mean, he is faithful. And... I think, you know, even after today's message, I've been thinking more and more about it, about the giving. You know, I think it's time. Set a percentage aside to give and take it off the top. I think that's very important. That's the faith. That's the stepping out, saying, okay, God, I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do because you've said to be generous and to give. And I'm going to trust you To meet my needs. (laughs) So, thank you all for joining us today.